Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. Well, if you've got an outline, you see that we will be all over the place today. And so uh, not one central text, but multiple texts that we'll be looking at. One of the things that I am asked probably um, in the top three most often, uh, if, there were, if there were a top three most often things I am, am asked as a pastor, over the years I would say that one of those is how can I know the will of God? Now, there are other questions that come up. You know, how can I know that I am truly saved? Or how can I be saved? And we understand that is only through the power of the gospel, only through believing upon Jesus Christ. But one of the things that I am asked often is, how can I know the will of God? How can I know the will of God for my life? How can I know what, is, what I'm supposed to do next? How can I know what direction to take that may be a, a job, that may be uh, who, who am I supposed to marry, that may be any other life decision that we may face. And so today, I would like for us to just walk through, biblically speaking, how do you know the will of God? And then to ask a question, will you do the will of God when God reveals His will to you? And so I want us to look at just an overview of knowing the will of God and then doing and following the will of God. Now, I'm going to go ahead and preface and tell you that so far as all of these biblical points, there's not anything in here but what you have not already heard me say that. Maybe you just haven't heard them all together, but you've heard all of these things. But I just want us to take a few minutes, put these together and maybe you're wrestling through the will of God for your life. Maybe you know someone who's wrestling through the will of God. What is the will of God in this particular circumstance? And I, w- I just want to give you the biblical approach to knowing the will of God. Let me just preface, first of all, by saying what is not the way to go about that. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a wise thing to say, well, I'm going to know, I need to know the will of God. And so, Lord, I'm just going to pray over my Bible. I'm just going to let it fall open. I'm going to put my finger down, and that's what I'm going to do. Uh, you, don't do that. Now, that's, that's a dangerous thing to do. Uh, you, you don't want to get involved in that. You may flip over to Jonah and find out, you know, I need to be swallowed by a great fish. You don't want to do that. It's not, it's not the right way to go about that. Uh, also, you know, I remember as a kid, I remember asking God for his will about certain things. And I was just a child. And so I would say something like this. I would go out in the yard and I would say, Lord, if the next three cars that come by are all trucks, then I'll know that, that I'll know your answer is a yes. And I remember one time my brother and I were praying, and we were just little kids, and I, I said, how do we know the answer to this? And he said, well, I don't know. And I said, well, let's just pray that the first three vehicles that go by, if they're all trucks, we live down on a little country road, the first three vehicles that come by are all trucks, then we will know the will of God. We never determine the will of God because we live so far out in sticks. Uh, we got like one truck, and then it got dark, and we had to go inside. So that's probably not the best way to go about that either. All right, so there, there, and, and we're going to talk in a moment about how do you deal with feelings and emotions? How, do, how does that play into the will of God? But I want us to look at what does the Bible say about determining the will of God? And the first thing you find is this, God reveals his will by his word. God reveals his will by his word. So you have to ask yourself certain things. If you think something might be the will of God, you first of all have to ask yourself, is it true? Because God's word is true. 
God's word is truth. And so if God's word is true and we're depending upon the word of God, then the will of God we know will also be true. Listen to Psalm 119. This is starting in verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments, your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word is dependable. We can depend upon God's word when we are seeking the will of God because God's word is never going to contradict the will of God. Never, ever, ever will it contradict the will of God. So we have to ask ourselves, if we're facing something that we think may be the will of God, we have to ask ourselves, is it true? Secondly, related to that, does it align with God's revealed will? Now, what do I mean by God's revealed will? What I mean by that is sometimes you hear theologians talk and they say there's God's secret will and there's God's revealed will. There's God's secret will that, that we just can't read the Bible and, and know. You may not be able to read the Bible and, and come up with a verse or come up with something that exactly fits the situation and that you say, aha, that's, that's it. In some cases, absolutely. Uh, we want God's will, God's word to confirm those things. But I'm just saying, you might not have it spelled out. You know, when it, whenever I was, Rebecca and I started dating, I did not find a place in the Bible that said, go marry Rebecca. And I know people are like, well, you know, there's Isaac and Rebecca and there's, yeah, but I never found a place in the Bible that, you know, I didn't find it flip over there. And it's like Dustin George, go marry Rebecca Dotson. I didn't find that. And there are certainly principles that you go by, but you have to understand, does it match God's revealed will? So the first thing we need to know is what is God's revealed will and start doing God's revealed will. You find in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, here's here's some places where God's will is explicitly spelled out. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Now, that's not something you have to think about. That's not something you have to pray about. Well, I need to pray about whether whether or not I'm going to live in this sexually immoral way. No, the Bible says the will of God is for you to avoid that. The will of God is your sanctification, that you become more like Jesus. So God's will is very clearly expressed there. God's revealed will from his word. You find in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, another statement of God's will. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is God's will that we rejoice. It is God's will that we pray. These are the things that God's will says, that we are to give thanks that's the will of God. And so whatever God is calling you to, can you rejoice in it? Can you pray during it? Can you give thanks for it? Because that's the will of God. Let me give you one more. First Peter chapter two, verse 13, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So Peter writes and says, we obey the authorities, we obey the governing authorities, we, we operate as good citizens because 
God has equipped us by the power of the Holy Spirit to live holy lives. And granted, in some cases, that means that people aren't going to understand. People may come against us. It may make it much more difficult on us in certain situations. But at the same time, that's the will of God. The will of God is for us to follow the authority set over us. And then by doing good, by living in the right way, by the power of God, that's not some empty legalism, that's living by the power of God, we put to silence those foolish people who are opposed to that. Let me give you another one. Does it reflect the character of God? God reveals his character through his word. And so you have to ask yourself, whenever you are, you are called to do the will of God, you have to ask yourself, does this reflect the character of God? First John chapter 1, verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Many years ago, whenever I was teaching, some of you know that for about a decade, I, I taught in some different schools. And I remember um, I was at a Christian school the last time, uh, the last uh, segment of my teaching career. And I remember there was this young man that spoke up and he said, during prayer time, one morning after our, our devotional time, early one morning, he looked around and he said, let me just ask you a question. Should you give God thanks for something that you really enjoy doing? but it is a sin. And I said, no, you're not. Because in God, there's no darkness. In God, he is, he is completely and totally holy. He said, yeah, but I enjoy it. I said, well, it doesn't matter if you enjoy it. The bottom line is, is it within the will of God? And he said, well, no, I don't believe it is, but I want to give him thanks anyway. And I said, well, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to thank God for you reveling in your own sin. The will of God is going to reflect the character of God. What does that look like? Well, let me give you two things about that. First of all, God's will shapes you to be more like Christ. When you follow the will of God, it requires you to be more like Jesus. But the will it require you to live more like Christ, it will transform you more and more into the image of Jesus. That's the idea of sanctification. This is the will of God, your sanctification, you being made like Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. God equips us to live holy lives for him. And God's will will move us toward holiness. God's will will move us toward a deeper sense of surrendering to God, backing away, repenting of, turning from sin and self, and depending upon him and him alone. So first of all, God's will shapes you to be more like Christ. And then secondly, God's will always brings glory to himself. Everything that God does ultimately brings glory and honor and praise to himself. And we may say, well, that's very self-centered. If God, being a perfect being, the, the only true perfect being in every way, the creator of heaven and earth, if that God was not concerned with his own glory, then he would not be the kind of God that we worship. God has to be concerned with his glory because God is perfect. For God to be concerned with anybody else's glory above his own, that would be idolatry. Our God is not an idolater. And so we turn toward God alone and we seek his glory first and foremost. Romans chapter 11, verse 36. For from him and through him, and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. From him, through him, and to him 
All the things come from him. Everything was created from him. It is, it is by the power of God. It is through him. It is through Christ that we have life and we have all good things. And it's all to him. It's all ultimately for him. See, that's one of the problems, as one of the old writers used to say. He said, the problem with humanity is this, that we were made by God, for God, and now because of sin, we live without God. And we need to have that that sin curse broken, and that's only through Jesus. That's the only means by which we can live lives where we fully experience that fulfillment of God's glory in our life in a way that is redemptive. And so we find that if we're looking at God's Word, we understand that it reflects His character. We understand that God's Word is always true. We understand that God's Word is going to do a work in us to make us more like Jesus. So that's one way. Now, often we'll say, well, that's it. I just need to do those things, and that's all. Well, there are other aspects of the will of God that we need to examine. Secondly, if you're looking for the will of God for your life, God confirms His will as we obey. As you see what God has revealed in his word, as you see God revealing things that move you toward Christ-likeness, then God will confirm that will as we obey him. As we obey him. Listen to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. So what's the first thing? What is the counsel of other mature, godly people? Seek other mature, godly people. If you're trying to find the will of God, talk to people who are mature and who are godly and talk to them about seeking the will of God. Uh, It was, um, I'm trying to remember, Alistair Begg. I'm looking at this verse, I'm trying to. um, He said, uh, Alistair Begg, famous pastor, he said, if you want to be a wise person, get a Bible. You want to be a wise person, get a Bible. Going back to our first point, get a Bible, use the Bible, read the Bible, live the Bible, and it'll make you a wise person. And then in doing so, seek out those people who are godly. Seek out those people who are mature. Now, every now and then, if we aren't careful, we can stockpile a little group of people that'll be our yes people. You know what I'm talking about. You may have those friends. They're they're not living godly lives. They're not living mature lives. But yet they're going to side with you no matter what. And every now and then you may say, well, you know, I didn't like what this person said. I didn't want to like this person said. And you go to that person and you said, you say, well, what, what do you think I should do? And they say, well, what do you think? And you tell them, maybe a bad idea. And they go, that's a great idea. You know, you might, I remember growing up, I had a friend of mine that he was the, he was the litmus test for me. Anytime I brought up something and he said, that's a good idea. I would just do the opposite. Because if he said it was a good idea, I could promise you it was a bad idea. So if he said, I think that's a really good idea. Thank you. Thank you for your counsel. I'm not going to do that. You need to seek the counsel of wise people, of godly people, of mature people. That's what the Word of God says. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. In abundance of counselors, there is safety. And the understanding is it's an abundance of wise, godly, God-seeking individuals. So if you're, if you're looking for that confirmation, so often you find in God's Word... You find God leading you and God showing you his will. And then at the same time, you find other godly people who arrive at the same conclusion. And they say, yes, absolutely, this is the will of God. Secondly, what are the surrounding circumstances? Now, I know right about this time, we say, now, wait a minute. Circumstances change. It can't be dependent just upon the circumstances. I absolutely agree. Because I think so many times we try to determine the will of God solely by circumstances. 
solely and completely by circumstances. And that's not wise in and of itself. You have to take this as a collective approach. So how do we determine the will of God? Well, we look at the surrounding circumstances. We look at what is going on. Now, sometimes those circumstances make no sense whatsoever. We look at the circumstances and we say, everything else works out, but these circumstances seem to run contrary. Well, what do you do then? Well, you do what the will of God is, despite circumstances. You don't let circumstances be the make or break. But at the same time, you do understand that there are circumstances and God, God will guide and God will direct in the midst of circumstances. Sometimes you hear people say something like this. Well, uh, if there's an open door, I'm going to walk through it. You've heard me talk about this before. I need, if I need to know the will of God, if there's an open door, I'm going to walk through it. When I was a kid, I remember visiting a hospital and I remember I saw an open door. It was an elevator shaft and the door was open, but there was no elevator car behind that door. Now that's an open door. Would I just go walk into that open door? No, that would be dangerous. You're walking down the street. You see somebody's front door open in their home and you say, well, you know what? There's an open door. I just think I'm going to walk in there. That would be dangerous. Very dangerous, especially in the South. That's dangerous. You don't walk up in somebody's house. So we, we understand that in real life, we just don't walk through every open door. We walk through the open doors that we know are our open doors, though, that God has given us an open door. And so you have to look at the circumstances. In Psalm 37, verse 23, the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. You depend upon God, you surrender to him. That word delight, it's a word that means to take joy, but also to be soft toward, to be pliable, to not have to have it your own way, but to surrender. And when you surrender to God, the steps are directed. God directs the steps, even when you may not know it. God's directing those steps. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So God is ultimately the one who is behind those circumstances when God is directing all those different circumstances. So we seek the counsel of wise and godly people, but we also look at the surrounding circumstances. And then we have to ask ourselves, how's the Holy Spirit leading? Now around this time, sometimes people say, oh, I know, I just need to depend upon the Holy Spirit's leading. And maybe I had a dream or maybe I just had a, a moment, a, a feeling. Maybe I just had a, I had a time where I just had, I, I experienced this emotion I've never experienced before. And so I knew that had to be God's will. Uh, I had somebody come to me one time and say, I know that this is of the Holy Spirit because I got goosebumps. So well, you may have just been sitting under a vent. It may have just been a draft. You need to determine the difference. You don't, you don't determine the will of God based on whether or not you get goosebumps. It's whether or not God's word is confirmed, right? And so we find that we have to ask how the Holy Spirit is leading. Let me give you a couple of verses here about the leading of the Holy Spirit. First of all, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. Paul writes about the armor of God. And he says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That brings us back to our first point. Take the sword of the Spirit. Take the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God. That's why it's important for you to know the Word of God. You know the Word of God. You memorize the Word of God. It gets in your heart, and it's like you're just giving the Holy Spirit all sorts of ammunition, all sorts of just this encyclopedic, encyclopedic uh, understanding, this vast panorama of understanding and wisdom that the Holy Spirit can draw from. And the Holy Spirit can bring those verses to mind and give you that direction. But we have to depend upon the Word of God. It's not just some impression. I've sat down one time at my last church where I served. I sat down with these two, uh, these two women. They were in an argument with each other. And they sat down, and one of them said, Well, we're, we want you to settle things. And I said, Well, I don't know if I can, but 
uh, given, given their history, I knew some of the things that went on with them, the two of them, and they said, well, we're, in, we're, in a, we're kind of in a stalemate. And one of them said, I know the Holy Spirit told me X, Y, Z. And the other one said, well, I know the Holy Spirit told me ABC. And I said, well, uh, you're at a place where the word of God isn't really clear on either one of these. And one of them said, well, I know the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I know his voice. And the other one said, well, no, no, no. I know the Holy Spirit spoke to me and, and told me. And Holy Spirit didn't tell you that. And so they're back and forth. And I said, well, here are your options. I said, your options are, first of all, let's establish this. The Holy Spirit did not speak to both of you because you were both completely and totally contradicting the other. So first of all, we understand the Holy Spirit didn't speak to both of you. And they, they agreed with that. And I said, that means two, one of two things. Either the Holy Spirit spoke to one of you and not the other, or vice versa. Or the Holy Spirit didn't speak to either one of you. Those are your options. Well, they didn't like the, the, the last option. No, 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 no. Well, anyway, come to find out, the more we started delving into it and looking at it, uh, they were using the terminology of Holy Spirit is just a convenient way to get rid of any sort of opposition from the other one. You know, how, I mean, how do you compete with that? You talk to somebody and you say, well, I think, I think maybe we need to pray about this. And someone says, oh no, Holy Spirit's already told me X, Y, Z. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to do that. And if, if people don't do that, then they're wrong. Okay. Well, that person, that person's mind may be like, uh, I think Adrian Rogers was the one who said it, that, that they sort of like concrete. It's thoroughly mixed up and permanently set. And so you, you, just, you may not be able to deal with this, right? But you have to understand the power of the Holy Spirit, but we go back to the Word of God because the Word of God is referred to as the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. That's the fruit of the Spirit. The will of God is going to produce the fruit of the Spirit in you because the will of God is going to be in line with the Spirit of God. And so if you're, you're going through, the, you're looking at the will of God and you want to do the will of God, but the will of God is not producing the fruit of spirit in you as you're surrendered to him, then you have to ask yourself, is that really the will of God? So let me just say, touch on this though. What about emotions and desires? Because I know sometimes people say, well, if I just have a sense of peace, I know it's God's will. Or if it makes me happy, like the guy I spoke of earlier, if it makes me happy, it's got to be the will of God. If it, if it makes me most comfortable, it's got to be the will of God. Well, none of those in and of themselves are proof that it's the will of God. Sometimes the will of God makes you very uncomfortable. Sometimes the will of God causes a great deal of pain in the short term for an eternal gain. Sometimes the will of God may run very contrary to lots of emotions that we might have. You find in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So if we're depending just upon our heart, just upon our emotions, just upon our preferences or expectations, our own personal sinful desires, then we will not be in line with the will of God. We have to line up under the will of God as we line up under his word, not just depending upon emotions or desires. You find in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul writes, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Test everything everything. Put everything to the test. Make sure everything follows and is lined up with the Word of God, the will of God, and then do the will of God. Now, everything that I've just talked about, all of these things, 
whether it's, it's seeking his will and his word and depending upon his word and then getting the confirmation from his will from wise and godly people and all of these other things all together brings us to this. Rebecca and I have been praying and we believe it is God's will that we are to go to East Tennessee and we are to help a church up there. And by becoming... Um, it's new pastor if everything goes as planned. And so next Sunday, we'll be traveling up there. And next Sunday, I will preach in view of call at a church, Vonor Baptist Church in East Tennessee. Now, I know this is a shock to many of you. I've talked to some of the leadership about this, and we've had discussions about it over the last few weeks. But we've been praying about this for a number of months now. And um, I've not been up there and preached yet. I know that sometimes anytime I'm away on vacation, people come up to me and they're like, you went to a church and preached, didn't you? Well, no, I did not. I have never been to a church to preach uh, along, uh, in view of call. Now, along the way, since I've been lead pastor here over the last five years, I've had a number of churches that have reached out and said, hey, would you, would you consider coming being our lead pastor? Would you think about coming on staff here or there? And, and, and I had all these different offers that came through. And I'm not saying that as a pat me on the back kind of thing. I'm just saying that having gone through this with every single one of those other cases, I came down to it's not God's will. It's not God's will. And that's where I came down uh, until this one. And this one was different. Uh, after a lot of prayer and a lot of consideration, uh, this is where we believe God is leading. We're going to see if God's in the midst of this. Uh, we believe that's the next step of faith that uh, we are to take is in that direction. Now, let me go ahead and say something before we go any further. Let me just go ahead and cut this off at the pass, right? Because I know how it is whenever a pastor announces something. This is one reason I didn't want to give a sermon and then stand down front and say, hey, everybody, be seated for just a second. By the way, bye. You know, I, I'm not going to do that, all right? Now, I'm not making light of it. I'm just saying there's a reason I wanted to explain it in this way. There's nothing wrong, okay? That there's, there's no, uh, oh, behind the scenes, there's this going on. No, there's not. Well, behind the scenes, there's, this, there's a group, and this group is fighting that group. No, not at all. Well, you know, they, uh, you know, Rebecca and Dustin, they just, they just were not happy here. No, that's not the case either. Well, Dustin wasn't able, people, people came in and they wouldn't, they, they were always complaining and they didn't, they didn't let him lead. No, that, that's not the issue at all. I had, I've had the most freedom to lead here as God leads me that I've ever experienced in ministry. And thank you for that. Uh, you know, and, and so we come up with all sorts of things. Oh, well, you know, that's a, that's where they move from. That's where Rebecca's family is from, you know, a couple hours away from where they're going. So that's the reason. No, Rebecca and I surrendered many times uh, just before God. And we have told God, we told God after we got married, that we will go anywhere at any time that God leads as long as God makes it clear. If that was Rio de Janeiro or if that was uh, Manila uh, if that was if that was somewhere in Tanzania in a in a hut out on the Serengeti, we would go as long as God made it clear wherever it was. And I want you to understand this wasn't some light decision. It wasn't like, oh yeah, we're just going to go. I wrestled with this. I wrestled with this because I love you. I wrestled with this because I see what God is doing here. I told Rebecca early on. I said, I don't know if I want to go. Because I see God doing stuff. You've seen the number of kids that we've been baptizing lately. God's at work. God's hand is moving. 
And I told Rebecca, I said, I don't want to miss what's next. I don't want to miss what's coming. So it's not a matter of, oh, well, you know, this and that and the other, and all this is going on, and I just want out. Not, Not at all. Not at all. Larry Crosby and I were talking in small group earlier this week, and Larry uh, shared the story about how he arrived here at East Haven. And he shared the story about how he was at a church and he loved the church. And he said, but I knew that God was sending me to East Haven. And Larry made this statement. There's a big difference in leaving a place and being sent from a place. Can I just tell you, that's how Rebecca and I feel. We don't feel like we're leaving. Now, physically, yes, we are. We don't feel like we're leaving We're not being taken. We're being sent. And that's a difference. That is a big, big difference. And so I just wanted you to understand, you know, what's ahead. I wanted you to understand what's at play here and what is going on. Now, is it a done deal? No, it's not a done deal. But I I can promise you, I wouldn't, there's, and again, why am I telling you this? First of all, out of respect for you. Secondly, there is no group of people. There's no group of people that I would rather have praying for me when I take this next step. I can promise you that. You have loved us. You have walked with us. Five years ago, five years ago, you voted on a guy that was a single guy to be your lead pastor who for for months beforehand had told God all the reasons why he didn't want to be the lead pastor anywhere necessarily. He wanted to, to go here or go there. And God said, no, I got plans. And the same process that led me to be able to stand here before you Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, that's the same process that has been in place now. Being sent somewhere. It's an honor to be sent from here. It's an honor to be sent out from a place where you know you're loved. Now, I know this is hard. Believe me, Rebecca and I have shed more tears over the last few months over this, and especially over the last few weeks. We have shed more tears out of our love for you than, than we have at any other point in time, just because we love you. So what's, you say, okay, well, great. Are you going to get to your third point? Yeah. God's will requires reliance upon him. If you're going to do the will of God, you got to rely upon him. Do you trust his power? Psalm 37, 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. You commit your way. You literally, you roll your way off onto him. The burden, the weight, You roll it off onto him. You commit your way to him. You take your way, your course of life, your walk of life, and you roll it off over to God, and he's the one who acts. So trust his power. Do you trust his power? In the days ahead, we're going to have to trust his power. We collectively, not only Rebecca, not not only am I going to need to trust his power, not only are the people at this other church need to trust his power, but we all have to trust his power. We have to trust his power and trust that he knows what's ahead and trust him to give us the power. Secondly, are you praying persistently? That's why I said, pray for us. Again, there's no other people I'd rather pray for me than you. 
And in a situation like this, taking a step of faith like this. And so are you praying persistently, seeking the will of God, praying for his will? Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. You ask, you seek. You ask, you seek. You ask, it's given. You seek, you find. You knock, it's open. And the verb form in that, and you've heard me say this before, the verb form there means to continue. Those who continue to ask, you continue to seek, you continue to knock, and God continually reveals his will. So we pray. It's not just a one-time thing. It's not just a, I'm just going to pray over my magic eight ball, and I'm going to shake it, and I'm going to look, and there's my answer, and I don't have to worry about praying to God anymore because I've got the answer. No. God's will requires us to pray persistently, to stay connected with God as we are walking. And then finally, will you trust God's timing? Will you trust God's timing? Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. After I became lead pastor, it's in my outer office. If you've been in there and met with me in that outer office out there with the couches and the chairs, you've seen it. Carolyn Reddy made me a, a framed verse. She stitched it up. And it's, it's this passage, Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Because that verse was so important to me as I was approaching becoming the lead pastor here. It was. And God just kept telling me, just wait. Wait on me. Wait on me. Wait on me. Wait on me. You know, we can, we can save, as the old saying goes, you can save a lot of time when you wait on the Lord. And so I just waited on God. And I had mentioned from the pulpit five years ago that how important that verse was. And so she stitched that up for me. And it's in my, it's in my office. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go with me when I, when I head north, God willing. This is how we know the will of God. Will you do the will of God? Now, I know. You say, are you going to give an invitation after that? <laughs> yes. Because I realize how hard this is. I realize how difficult it is. Um, and believe me, it's, it's difficult for me. I have, I have, um, I've, you know, we, we've wanted to be able to share, but at the same time, we recognize that this is for many of you, it's heartbreaking news. You know, maybe for a couple of you, you're like, yes, finally, um, God love your heart anyway. But, um, but we understand that as we, as we are seeking the will of God, we understand it requires sacrifice and we understand it's not always easy in the short term. And um, your family, you always will be. Don't care how many years I pastor from here on. Don't care how many miles away I may find myself. Your family. And you always will be. And I count it an honor and a privilege, the highest honor and the highest privilege to have served here with you, alongside you, as you have led out and served and reached out and you've done the work of ministry. I've seen a group of people here do that biblical mandate. As a pastor, the Bible says that I am called to teach and equip the saints for ministry. It doesn't say the 
pastor does all the ministry. No, pastor teaches and equips the saints for ministry. And I've watched so many of you who are gifted, so many of you go out and you, I have taught and I've poured and you have received and y'all have gone out and done ministry in an incredible way. And can I just tell you, the Holy Spirit did not ride up with me when I arrived. Holy Spirit was here and he was alive and well and working. And the Holy Spirit isn't going to ride out when I leave because the Holy Spirit is among us. The Holy Spirit is in every follower of Christ, empowering us to do his will. I said, I said something when I became lead pastor from this stage. I said, I believe that the best days of East Haven are ahead. Do you know what? I still believe that. In fact, I believe that even more now than I did then. And I was certain of it then. I don't know, I mean, maybe 110% now, we could say. I don't know. But I'm just saying I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt the best days of East Haven are ahead. God wants to do an incredible thing here. God has been doing an incredible thing here. God's going to continue to do an incredible thing here as long as we seek his will. Let me tell you, the Bible also says it is not his will that any should perish, but that all come to salvation, all come to repentance. So if, if today is a day where you say, the will of God for my life today is to know Jesus and follow him because I've never made that decision, let today be the day of that. Let today be that day of decision. Let today be the day that you surrender fully to God. Some of you... Some of you may be wrestling with ministry, whether it's some volunteer position or whether it's full-time ministry. Maybe some of you are wrestling about becoming a missionary. There, there are all sorts of ways that we surrender to the ministry. It's not just going to be a pastor somewhere or going to be a missionary somewhere or going off to work some mission organization. It's right here, right here, right now. So maybe God's calling you to be involved in some sort of ministry. I remember whenever I was uh, at the last church where I served, it was before I came on staff. I remember that the Holy Spirit just really convicted me one morning and said, you need to go forward and tell the pastor that you are willing to, sur- you are surrendering your life to full-time ministry, yet you don't know what that is. You don't know where that is, but you just are saying yes. Kind of like Abraham, not knowing where he was going and going out from the place where he was, not knowing where he was headed. And that's what I did that morning. I walked forward and took my pastor by the hand and I said, listen, here's all I can tell you. I'm called to ministry. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know where it is. I don't know what the role is. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I just know that I, the answer is yes. And that was the beginning of my kind of ministerial journey. Maybe some of you need to say that same thing. Maybe some of you need to say that about, about this given situation. God, I, I don't like it. God, it's hard. God, it's difficult. But you got my Yes. You've got my yes. And no matter where it leads, no matter what it looks like, no matter where it goes, I'm going to depend upon you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to delve into your word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek the leading of your spirit. And I'm going to surrender to your will. My answer is always yes. Before the question is even asked, the answer is yes. Can you say that? Will you do the will of God? Will you join us as we're doing the will of God? Let's pray. Lord God, 
we come before you and we're thankful for your call. We're thankful for your guidance. We're thankful for the way that you reveal your will. Your will is sometimes hard. It's hard to understand. Hard to understand sometimes. Lord, sometimes by, by obeying your will and taking that step of faith, we find ourselves in a place where things seem, things seem more unknown. But in the midst of those unknown circumstances of what exactly may lie ahead, we recognize that you're the God who goes before us. You prepare the way. And so, Father, we recognize as, as this moment kind of caught, caught me off guard, caught Rebecca off guard, probably caught many people here off guard. We also recognize it's not a surprise to you. You declare the end from the beginning. And so, Father, we, we look at the days ahead with a, with a bittersweetness. We look at the days ahead uh, recognizing that we'll have questions and we'll seek your will. And this, these steps of faith push us deeper and deeper into our dependence upon you. Everything that we've been talking about over the last five years and beyond that with other pastors who have stood here, trust, faith, that receiving a report from you, Lord, and then responding in the right way, surrender, dependence, all of those things, God, that we've talked about, we've heard we've preached, we've learned, we've poured over, we've prayed over. And now we're practicing it yet again. Father, you know your plans, not just for us, not just for the church in East Tennessee, but the plans for East Haven. You know the plans that you have. God, we all just want to be in the center of your will. Best place to be out of your way is to be in the center of your will. So, Father, I pray that you would do that in us. And, Father, whatever decision needs to be made today, whatever surrender needs to be offered up to your throne, whatever, whatever receiving of the grace that is found in the person of Jesus in his perfect life, and he came and died a sinner's death on a cruel cross for our sins, in our place, Jesus for us in our place, fully taking your wrath upon himself, the wrath for sin. And then he was buried and he rose again on the third day, showing that sacrifice was accepted. You fully accepted that sacrifice. And that is the only means by which we can know you. If we surrender our lives to you, if we ask for forgiveness, we turn from sin and self and turn toward Christ alone then we will be saved. Father, I pray today would be the day that for many that would happen. Father, I pray whatever other, what, any other burden that's on our hearts, 
what, what job to have, a move, a, a change in uh, our focus of our life, whatever it may be, Lord God. We pray that you would reveal your will as we seek you and that we would do your will. When the question is asked, will you do the will of God? May the answer that we've already decided upon, that's a foregone conclusion, that we give you a preemptive yes before we know anything that you may ask of us. We just say yes. As long as we know it's your will, yes. Yes, yes, Lord. Here I am. Send me. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.